0: Thank you. Welcome to Beyond the Lines. I'm your host Jason Davis. First, let me say thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this episode. There's many more episodes that I have archived that you may be interested in. If you like the content I create and what I'm trying to build here at Beyond the Lines podcast, I ask that you support the show by making a small donation. All you have to do is click on the Support the Show link in the show notes and donate. If you donate, you'll get a shout out in a future episode, and I thank you in advance. You can follow this podcast on Facebook at Beyond the Lines podcast. On Instagram, Beyond the Lines Podcast. On Twitter, at underscore Beyond the Lines. And also on TikTok, at Beyond the Lines Podcast. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or even show ideas, you can email me at btlpodcast213 at gmail.com. This episode is sponsored by Davis Vending. If you're in the Tampa area and you need a snack or drink machine for your employees or customers, contact Davis Vending at 813-530-6763. Or email them at davisvending71 at gmail.com. Davis Vending offers great service and affordable prices. For all your vending needs, contact Davis Vending. This is episode number 65, and today I will be discussing getting over that mental hurdle. So now, let's meet this episode's guest. So my guest today is Preston. He was previously a stuntman for 20 years, and now he has a master's in sports counseling and is going to University of Texas Tech for a degree in sports psychology. Preston, welcome to the show.
1: Man, I'm so excited to be here. I was listening to some of the latest episodes. Yeah, I'm just excited to be here. I'm kind of a new fan, so I'm excited.
0: I'm glad to have you, fan. I'm glad you took a listen to some of those episodes. But today we're going to be talking about getting over a mental hurdle, okay? And we want to talk a little bit about athletes and what they struggle with and when they go through ups and downs in their particular sport, whether they're a youth athlete or even at the professional level. So I'm glad to have you on the talk about that. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about your life as a stuntman. What was it like or what was that thing that made you want to become a stuntman? Was it a seminal moment? that wanted you to get into that? So
1: I started really early because I'm 39 now, and I retired about a year or two ago, and that's still my 20 years. So I started early, but um, actually since I was three, I had a basketball in my hand. So I just wanted to be a basketball player. I'm six foot tall, obviously not going to make the NBA, but don't tell my younger self that. I <laughs> just wanted to be a basketball player, a great high school player, and got recruited by San Diego State, played on their summer league, and ruptured my Achilles. So before I even had that chance to show myself off, I uh, had an Achilles rupture and that kind of, especially basketball, it's a horrible injury, but yeah, I I couldn't recover from that, and especially not being tall enough anyway. So I had to kind of sit there. It took me a year to recover from that, and I was like, well, what am I going to do? And I decided to get into filming. I decided to move to North Carolina, where they do a lot of filming in Wilmington, and kind of just got into the stand-in and then the photo double. And then just introduced to the world of um, stunts. I did a cool show called One Tree Hill and then Eastbound and Down and Vampire Diaries and then later on Marvel and DC. So it's been a very fun career. And stuntmen are professional athletes, very similar injury-wise to wrestlers. Their bodies get beat up. And a lot of stuntmen are ex-Olympians or ex-football players, ex-basketball players. So it's definitely you have to have that mindset like you were talking about earlier.
0: Now, you started out playing basketball in high school. Now, you're in Texas. Were you playing high school basketball in Texas?
1: I grew up in Orange County, California. Okay. So, I was playing in California. We were, we were playing um, around the L.A. area. So, I got to see some really, really good schools, modern day, and just a lot of, like, where NBA talent was. So, it was definitely a good area to grow up and play basketball in.
0: Yeah, they definitely have a lot of basketball and football talent in the area out there, and particularly football. Yeah. As a stuntman, describe the rigors on an average day for you. What was it like? What were you going through in those particular days, preparing, getting ready for roles and things like that?
1: So just to kind of separate it, I would say um, if you're like doing a Marvel movie, you're really going to get hired for a specific role. You're going to be really good at fighting. You're going to be really good at horseback riding or martial arts or whatever it, it, it may be. When you're on a long running TV show, there's only a few stuntmen on that crew so when I was on One Tree Hill, we were getting hit by cars, we were set on fire, we were jumping off buildings, we were doing all kinds of stuff, and we didn't even know we were doing that till the day of. So you're kind of thrown into the fire, but the more you do it, the more you learn, the more you try not to get hurt. And if we get hurt, we don't make a paycheck, so that's number one. And um, I think a lot of people think we're adrenaline junkies. We'll save that for the jackass guys, <laughs> but we're actually just trying not to get hurt. So right. the opposite, pretty calm under pressure.
0: Gotcha. I imagine it was kind of like when you think about college uh, sports or even high school sports and being a stunt person, uh, I imagine it's kind of like knowing who you know and able to get those roles in those particular parts, because I'm sure there's a ton of people out there that are trying to get those particular roles, especially since things like Marvel or long-running TV shows, how are you able to get those roles when there's so much competition out there?
1: So it is who you know, and it's a lot of hard work, and a lot of people wait for that opportunity to come, and they're just kind of twiddling their thumbs till it happens. But you have to get out there and film a movie, get out there and learn stuff, and get out there to integrate all this knowledge you can gain. So when you get on set, you go, like, hey, I know how to do this, and I have a proof of work that I can actually accomplish something in film. But, I mean, I went out to North Carolina, didn't know anybody. I lucked into a stand-in role, and then you get to know people, and you get conversation, and then, okay, and now I'm in stunts. And a lot of stuff films in that studio, so you can kind of roll over to the next project and the next project, and the same crew members are in all those projects. And that's a really unique place to start film, because it's a small area. And I was able to go to New York and do Marvel, and that was towards the end of my career, and I just kind of wanted that on my resume of, hey, let's do some wire work, let's do some green screen, let's get some Marvel and DC stuff to wrap it up. But it's definitely who you know. Man, it's some hard work. It's some injuries, and I definitely feel them every day.
0: Right. Now, as we said in the beginning, you did it for 20 years. Now, was it the injuries that finally said, hey, you know what, I'm done with this? Or was it something that you just kind of got tired of and just wanted to move on to something else? It was
1: injuries. In the last two years of my career, I could not stay healthy. I mean, stuff was popping and tearing and breaking. The last two years, I mean, I just could not stay healthy no matter what I did. My body just broke down. I kind of think that with sports psychology and working with athletes, a lot of athletes are kind of forced into retirement they don't get that nice celebration of retirement like a Tom Brady, obviously Tom Brady's goat, but they don't get that. It's kind of like one day you don't have a job anymore and you got to go out to normal life and figure out what you got to do. So on that transition and having the mind of an an athlete that normal, maybe normal psychologists or therapists don't understand. So that's kind of me bringing my uh, professional athlete knowledge into my education and kind of helping athletes.
0: Absolutely. Now you mentioned you played basketball. Were there any other sports that you played as a kid?
1: I was all basketball, man. We played in Laguna Beach, and they have an outdoor basketball court. And um, Rodman used to come there. And it was before like kind of got commercialized. This was before social media and all that. So you had some NBA players come out there and stuff. And it it was just awesome, man. I guess growing up there, life was a little easier before social media and all the reality shows and everything.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more on that one. So what was it that made you pursue sports psychology? So I knew stunt was going to
1: end, and I didn't want to go into coordinating, teaching that aspect. I wanted to be active, and I'm not going to be active for the rest of my life. Physically, you can't. So I started going into school, and I started doing online school. About the last five years of my career, I started doing online school and building towards, well, how can I continue this stuntman career? Well, my body can't, but now I can go into sports psychology. And I really relate to athletes. And I really relate to that mindset of from three years old and on, all they know is football. They put their family aside. They put the personal aside. Their injuries are all over there. Now football's over. What the heck do you do? And that feeling, the rigorous training and all that stuff is hard for other people to understand. And I think it's a need. And especially men are coming out, male athletes, Kevin Love coming out and talking about mental illness, which I think is fantastic. And I think COVID has helped us because we can talk on, with the computer screen. So it's getting a lot better, and I'm just happy to be a part of it.
0: Absolutely. Now, what was your favorite sports hero growing up? Manu Ginobili. And why Manu Ginobili?
1: Because he's crazy. <laughs> Extremely talented. But, man, you don't know if the ball's going to go flying to the third row or he's going to shoot an air ball have court, whatever he was going to do it was going to be exciting and you had a chance to win so and the Spurs back then were kind of considered a boring team so it was fun to uh, have them in the mix
0: yes uh, I remember those years uh, Spurs were not flashy yeah. they weren't going to go out there and, and, and really light it up but they were fundamentally sound and yeah. they were very good and they won championships playing that way as yeah. well what are some of the most common issues from a mental health standpoint that you've come across that athletes face
1: I would say the main thing is if they're a professional athlete, they've been doing it since they were a child. And they've gone through high school and college and whether it's G League and then it's NBA. They've gone through all those things, but they've been excellent at all stages. They've been the best at every stage. And that's all they know. I mean, that's their whole life. So when it doesn't work out, when sometimes when we have these huge goals and they just don't happen in life or we had that goal and we can't have it anymore – now you have to be a used car salesman, or now you have to go out and have a normal job. That's tough. That transition is really, really tough. So I think um, athletes definitely struggle with that with uh, with retirement. And then I can relate to injuries. I mean, I feel injuries every day. And unfortunate with the painkillers that I've never taken, I've never taken those on purpose. But a lot of people fall into that. And then just dealing with pain management when I was a stuntman, I always had something hurting. So I had the positive mindset of when I hurt something else, the previous thing doesn't hurt as bad now. Right. So, you know, the next injury is coming, but it's kind of like, okay, and that is now good because my back doesn't hurt. So you got to kind of have that positive mindset. But when you retire, it's like, man, my body hurts and I don't, (laughs) people aren't watching me on TV anymore.
0: Right. Absolutely. We all see athletes, and particularly professional athletes, they play at the highest level and they perform very well in their particular sports. But all of a sudden, we kind of see athletes no longer able to hit a free throw or catch a pass or throw a strike. I remember, and you may remember as well, Chuck Knobloch, who played second base for the Yankees. Yep. He went through a period where he couldn't ground the, a, a ball. He couldn't ground the ball. And if he could, he couldn't make that short throw of the first base. And eventually, it became sort of a mental thing with him. When we see those types of things happen to athletes, and again, particularly professional athletes, because they obviously perform at the highest level, what are some of the causes of that? And, and what do you do to kind of get those athletes on the right track?
1: So, I mean, if we look in recent years, we can see Ben Simmons, who was an all-star player, best defensive player on the best defensive team. Now, he can't shoot a basketball. He will be two feet, and he just won't do it. Right. Or Markel Fultz is the same way. I think he's gotten a little better in Orlando, but... He's the same way. There's that mental block. And you think, well, what happened? I think like with animals and dogs and cats, they associate things. They can't remember necessarily memories, but they associate this is bad because this happened. And then they have that association. Markel Foltz all of a sudden couldn't shoot anymore when he had the pressures of going to the next level, the NBA. And Ben Simmons, he had a bad playoff series. Ever since that bad playoff series, he started getting booed. He started getting a lot of negative attention. And now all of a sudden, he obviously doesn't want that on himself anymore. So it's more of a mental health issue than it is a performance issue. So I would definitely address what the core issue is. And it's probably... You know, we have we have the onion where there's an issue, but we start peeling away the layers and all of a sudden it's not athletics and it's not sports that we're really struggling with. That's just an aspect of our lives. Our skill set doesn't go away. Our performance doesn't go away. But now we're associating something negative that's hindering us from succeeding in sports. So let's dial back and focus on the mental health aspect. And sports is going to come. It'll come. I mean, you don't lose your talent, but we do need to figure out what's going on in that head.
0: Right. Absolutely. I agree with you. And I've done a couple of episodes on mental health issues and particularly not only with athletes, but things going on around the world. And I've talked to someone from North Carolina who's a mental health specialist, and we talked a lot about that. So if you have athletes who are struggling in a particular sport and they come to you or anyone for that matter for some mental health issues, how do you separate or how are they even able to separate What's going on, say, maybe in their personal life and away from the field or the court versus what is going on on the field or on the court? Separate those two so that they can get better and be able to perform better on the field or on the court.
1: I think what sports psychology is important and normal, just clinical psychology is if they're at that high level, that is an identity. That's a huge part of their identity. Yes. So we don't necessarily want to go, let's push this probably half your life or more to the side and focus on this other thing. So we need to integrate them both in because that's a huge part of their identity is being athletes. So we need to figure out, okay, tell me how is this affecting your performance and and how you're succeeding in sports or whatever sport you're in. And then we'll go, okay, well, this is the issue, and then maybe this happened, and how do you feel about that? How do you feel when that happened? And we can kind of get to deeper issues. Ultimately, it's going to be away from sports that you're fixing the problem, or you're at least trying to approach it, but sports will happen, and that's, once once we break that little bridge, and we can get into sports, and they can start having a freer mind, man, they're going to feel fantastic, and when they feel fantastic, and they're athletes, that is just going to push progress even more.
0: Absolutely. And you made a very important point there. I've seen, I'm sure you've seen as well, where athletes who go to retire, regardless of what the sport is, they have a very hard time retiring. And I think you mentioned it earlier, because now it's like, okay, I'm going into the second part of my life. And their particular sport is their identity. I mean, this is what they've been doing since they were little kids. And the majority of them that become well-known stars, household names they're like, what's next? What do I do? How do I find something to supplant what I've been doing for most of my life? So that's a very important point. And I think that for those who are able to assimilate back into, I guess, if you want to call it normal society or normal life, they obviously do very well. And we've seen sports casters all over TV in different sports able to go from playing their particular sport to now commentating and do very well. But there are also those who don't assimilate, if you will, very well or as much. And so How do we bridge that gap to make sure that, because obviously we're not going to be able to save everyone, but how do we bridge the gap where we're able to get more people as possible to cross over into that life where they're no longer in that spotlight, but be able to thrive and live a successful life?
1: So there's so many variables there. I think in the not for long league, I think a lot of people have problems with finances and they're not educated in that area. So maybe they don't have the finances when they get out of there. When you're at that level, football is just, that's the number one thing in life, if you're going to be that good. It just is. So now you don't have that. So now you have to figure out, hey, I'm a family man now. I'm a father. I'm a husband. How do I start being really good at that and not focusing on this other aspect? So there's a lot of different things going on in someone's mind because that identity is gone. But that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. But we can't see, like, it, it depends on the environment around that person, whether it's good or not. We've seen some basketball players lately who uh, were in bad environments and had bad people around them and they are so talented on the court, but now they're doing these kind of silly things that really isn't their identity and they're trying to hold on to this bad environment. So if that bad environment carries on to retirement, that's going to eat your life. So we have to definitely set them up with success by having positivity around them, having people that love them. And hopefully they have that in place already, but if not, you're going to have to focus on building their life and building their life for success. And this is the pillars we need for you to go into retirement. So it's not necessarily them mentally transitioning as much. It's a lot to do with the environment.
0: Absolutely. Now, we've talked a lot about the professional athlete. What about the youth athlete, those who may only go to high school level and those who may go to college level, but that'll be it for whether it's high school or college level. What can we do with those younger athletes to prepare them for the fact that, hey, at some point this will end, whether you make it to the professional level or only to the high school level, how can we get them prepared, and how does it affect them versus, say, a professional athlete when it comes to an end?
1: I see that a lot, especially in Texas and football. You get quarterbacks in these high schools that are just going straight to the NFL, obviously a little college, but they're that good. So someone can be really good in high school and just not make it as far as they would in another state maybe. But um, if that is their identity and they want to carry that on and performance-wise they can't, then that's exactly what I did with stunts. I mean, I can't do it anymore, so let's find a way to use my knowledge and how I can help others so they can go coach, they can go offer counseling at schools, they can work with athletes. Uh, There's a lot of other stuff, and you can can go to school and do some pretty cool stuff there. So there's always ways to help athletes, but that doesn't have to be the end of your life. It doesn't have to be the end of your career. Maybe you can't play basketball anymore, but you sure as hell can teach it, and you have a lot to offer for people. So keep doing it.
0: Absolutely. And that kind of leads me into my last question here. What advice do you have, and particularly for young athletes, when it comes to struggling in a particular sport?
1: I'm assuming probably they were good at one time and now they're just struggling. It doesn't mean they're bad, but there's obviously like, again, and you go back to you don't lose skills, especially since you're using it every day. So there is some kind of mental block there. And a lot of times with association, like I mentioned dogs and cats, I mean, you can break that association pretty quick and go, just because that happened doesn't mean you're bad at player. Just because you had a really bad series doesn't mean you're going to be a bad player for the rest of your life flip it. Let's flip it to positive now. Well, let's go prove people you're better. Let's go show people you're better. There's a lot of positivity. You can just just flip it and, and change that negative to a positive.
0: Absolutely. Well, Preston, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing that information. Again, I think it's something that we really need to talk about and really need to discuss, and particularly for young athletes, because as we know, we've talked about it before, social media, and I think now more than ever, there's so much pressure on young kids to succeed and and be great, and they want to be on social media and all these things. So I think it's very important that we talk about this and, and get this out there, along with some of the other mental health issues as well. But again, I'm glad to have you on the show, and hopefully I can get you back on the show, and we'll talk about this again.
1: Thank you, audience. I really appreciate it. I was looking forward to this one.
0: Absolutely. I really appreciate it. And you know, do you have a website or how can people follow you or reach out to you?
1: Yeah. Now that we uh, we both bash some social media, I'm going to say I have an Instagram, which uh, it's a fitness community. So we just go there and interact with each other. And it's 100 percent positive. Block anyone who's negative, And it's stunt.beast. And it's just there for positivity.
0: Great. Stunt.beast. Go check that website out. Again, Preston, thanks a lot. And let's do this again. Let's do it. All right. Thanks. I appreciate it. Once again, I'd like to thank Preston for joining the show. So what are the three takeaways from today's episode? Number one, athletes, be able to separate your personal life from your sports life. Number two, don't let sports be your identity. And number three, if you're dealing with mental health issues, whether sports or personal related, please seek help. That concludes episode number 65. If you enjoyed this episode, I ask that you share it with a friend. If you enjoyed this podcast, I ask that you subscribe. Please tune in for the next episode, and as always, thanks for listening. Take care.